0: The Bible teaches that God is spirit. He doesn't teach us that God is soul. It doesn't teach us that God is a mind. God is a spirit that has all these things. Personality. God is a personality. He is a person. And he has a mind. And he has a will. And he has. But it says that God is spirit. And we should serve him in spirit. And so the word spirit cannot be misunderstood. As to mean your soul dimension. And so. For us as Pentecostals and charismatics, we do believe that you are in fact existing in three dimensions, if you will. I, I don't know if the dimensions would be the right word, but you are a soul, you are a spirit which is made alive in Christ Jesus. When Jesus saves your life, your spirit is made alive in him. He calls you from the dead, you are made alive. He makes your spirit alive. That's why he says to Nicodemus, you are to be born again. So what is born again if that which is in you is already that which is regenerate. You are born again, so you are that which is born at birth, which is your physical body. Then you are born again, and that born again is spirit. Your spirit man is made alive. So you, that which part of you then is saved, except that part which is born again. So your spirit man is what's going to get saved, and your spirit has a soul, and your, so, your spirit that has a soul lives in your body. So we do believe that you exist in three parts. This is important because it changes a lot of the theology. If you read theology from this lens, it, it changes a lot of things. Your spirit man is connected to God. Your spirit man is not the part of you that sins, it's your soul man that sins. It damages and hurts your, your spirit, but your, your soul is the part of you which sin attaches itself to, which is influenced by the demonic, etc. So reading it through this lens makes a lot more sense scripture. Now, simple people, like Adam and Eve, was in the garden, believed God. And in their ignorance and isolation, they believed every word that God said. Until there was one to cast doubt on what God says. And I think a very great threat to your experiences of God, your experiences in God, and your experiences of the the benefits of being a child of God, And having been blessed with those spiritual blessings is very much limited when you're exposed to a negative voice that wants to point you in the wrong direction. We are all very biased. And believe it or not, biases are a a very huge problem in our lives. We are all very biased. And and, and how you've grown up as a Christian affects a lot about what you would consider right or wrong. In many cases, people don't consider what is right and wrong based on proper reading of Scripture, proper exegesis of Scripture, and the help of the Holy Spirit. Now, now, I want to I start here by saying, if you look at the Old Testament and you look at the Pharisees and the Sadducees and all those uh, scribes who knew the Old Testament well, which, if you read the Old Testament, goes a long way in, it, in explaining who Jesus Christ would be. To, to The Old Testament exists To shine a light on Jesus Christ. And yet when they all with all their intelligence stood in front of Jesus. Did not know that he was the son of God. You needed a guy who before he was born. leaped in his mother's womb without having eyes. To see or ears to hear. Or smell or taste or any of these things. He was in his mother's womb. John was in his mother's womb. And when Jesus walked into the room could discern him. He couldn't see it. Couldn't hear it. Wasn't taught it. But just by Jesus' presence in the room, something supernatural happened. He did not merely say, I believe that Jesus is in the room. He leaped in his mother's womb. I want to start here by saying that every Christian who believes that the gifts of the Holy Spirit had stopped, that there is no experience in God, it's merely confession. You are missing out in the leap that you can have in the Spirit, in the presence of God. If John leapt, the Bible says he would be baptized with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. And when he leaped, the Holy Spirit, Elizabeth was baptized with the Holy Spirit because he leaped. There was an actual manifestation of the Spirit of God in John's life while being in his mother's womb. Why would God have that before Jesus was given the Holy Spirit, before Jesus' ministry had started, before the Holy Spirit was poured out and Jesus resurrected and the whole, ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit poured out? He had an experience with God. Now we, we can read the Old Testament. and we, we know that there is ecstatic utterances, prophetic words that was given by uh, Ezekiel and Elisha and, and Samuel and the likes. All of them had uh, moments of, of trance-like experiences where there was an utterance, spiritual utterances that are, uh, that is undescribable in terms of our human language, that they had an experience that you can't pin down scientifically. It's amazing that we want to pin down God scientifically. And so we have to jump into this topic and dissect it verse by verse. Acts chapter 19. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. This is Paul now. There, he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So some people in cessationism circles would argue that you receive the Holy Spirit when you are saved and you do. Jesus says, I make my house in you. You are a temple of God and Jesus lives on the inside of you. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? In other words, the answer, no, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit, so they were saved and not yet baptized in the Holy Spirit, not understanding these things. Peter begins, Paul begins to explain. Then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul says it's a baptism unto repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. This is water baptism. And when Paul placed his hands on them, because water baptism is not salvation either. You get saved, then you get baptized in water, and when Paul, after baptizing them in the name of Jesus, water baptism, he placed his hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came in them or on them? On them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Is tongues now a tool for evangelism? No. Because they were evangelized before the, tool, before the tongues. Tongues here is a thing that accompanies the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In both these examples where you have Gentiles, believers believing the gospel, already saved, now getting baptized, receives the Holy Spirit on them, and as a sign of that, both of these cases, they spoke in other tongues. Now the Bible, if it says they spoke in Hebrew, it would say they would speak in Hebrews or Greek or they would call the language, but they were speaking in other tongues. Was everybody in that group speaking in different natural languages? No, because the word tongues there doesn't imply natural languages. It implies heavenly or spiritual or angelic language. And this is not a language that is Hebrew, Greek, Mandarin, or any of those languages as is displayed in Acts 2, because there are more than one display of spiritual gifts of language. Now, what we have in language, in spiritual language, speaking in tongues, you have scientists, you can take that off, scientists who try to record what people would would utter, bubble, or babble, if you will, out of their mouths when speaking in tongues to try and say, this is a language that has language familiarity and structure to it. And what they discovered is that it does not because it is not supposed to be a language that we can decipher scientifically And say that if you do this or make this noise or say that word or use this uh, structure. That if you follow that through, you can uh, isolate it and scientifically uh, decrypt it to mean this in other language. Which you can do with every other language. So that's not what the language is. Let me read this to you. Where is it? What I wrote here. Paul makes it clear. That, and I'm going to show you this through all the scriptures. Paul makes it clear that tongues is intrinsically non-communative form of utterance. Paul makes it very clear. And I'm going to show you the scripture. Paul makes it clear that the speaking of tongues, when it speaks about tongues, is a non-communicative utterance. It's something that is not for communication. And he, from a horizontal human perspective. It's not for communication on a horizontal level. So you can't isolate the structure therein, but prophecy on the other hand is to make articulate something that is inarticulate. So when you prophesy, you are articulating something that is inarticulate. So when I prophesy or somebody prophesies, he hears from God, what you can't articulate. He sees a picture. Ezekiel sees the wheel or the potter, the wheel of the potter. And out of that, he takes a prophecy and he defines that prophecy he makes. So interpreting of tongues is connected to prophecy. It's taking that which is unutterable, undistinguishable in terms of language. And then here's what God says that was, and explains that. So there are multiple forms of this thing. Is that okay? All right, So, so let's begin. Where shall we begin? Why am I saying that the gifts of the Holy Spirit did not cease. Why do we believe that the work of the Holy Spirit in the church through, who was the Holy Spirit given to? Jesus says to the apostles, it's better that I go for the promise to come. The promise is the Holy Spirit. If if the argument is why, because Jesus submitted to being in human form, he who was seated in heavenly places did not uh, consider it lack or a uh, downgrade to take the form of a human being. So Jesus could be at one place at one time. Well, he, he was still God at the same time. And if he wanted to, he said, hanging on this cross, do you not think I can summon a legion of angels and have me taken off? So he willfully remained under the rules of having a human body. He, so he could be at one place. But he did a very good job in Jerusalem as one person. So if the gifts of the Holy Spirit were to cease, why would he say it is better? I think it would be much better for Jesus to stay, for Jesus doing what Jesus did. If Jesus, if the Holy Spirit were to stop in Jesus's day with Apostle the apostle Paul, because if the Holy Spirit had to come, why would it be better for the Holy Spirit to come? Because the Holy Spirit could be in everybody and on everybody around the world. But if it stopped in Jerusalem with the apostles, then why would the Holy Spirit need to come? Jesus could just stay, just stay another 60 years. That's fine. Then we deal with everything that you need to deal with, but he sends the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is given to who? To every believer. All right. So if the Holy Spirit is given to every believer, jump with me to Mark chapter number 16. We can read, let's call it verse 14. We read from verse 14. Mark 16, it's where Jesus is finished. Later, Jesus appeared to the 11 as they were eating. He rebuked them. He appears to the 11. Then he rebukes them for the lack of their faith and stubborn refusal to believe those who had seen him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world. This echoes Matthew 29, 18, is it? 28, 19. Matthew 28, 19. Echoes the same. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes not who, not, not you who believe. He says, whoever preach the gospel, go back to the previous verse. Are we reading the Bible together? People complain. I don't read enough scripture. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation, comma. It's the same thing. So he's continuing that thought, go and preach the gospel to all creation, whoever believes. So who is that? Whoever believes. Those who receive the gospel in all creation. Go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation. If you preach it to all creation, those in all creation, go back to the previous verse, go into all the world, preach the gospel to all creation, all the world. So in all the world, South Africa, Karpstadt, Ristenberg, Namibia, all the world then. Whoever believes in this whole world and is baptized will be saved. Promise. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. Next one. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Who? In the world, those who believe these signs. To the whole world, everyone who believes these signs. Not the pastor, everyone. In my name, they, so we can't drive out demons the God has to do that. No, we drive out the demons in the name of Jesus Christ, under the authority of God, because of the working of the Holy Spirit, not of ourselves, not because we can, but we have given, given the authority to do so. These signs will accompany those who believe in my name. They will drive out demons and they will. Speak in new tongues. Now, how many believers, how many believers do you know who did not know Chinese and is now speaking in Chinese? Do you know anyone? Do you know, like, do you literally know a person, know him that now all of a sudden speaks German? Does it mean that they are not believers? According to that verse, if they don't speak German or Chinese, they're not believers. According to this verse, if you believe these signs will follow, you will drive out demons and you will speak in other tongues. So can we re, uh, reverse engineer this? If you don't speak in other tongues and don't cross out demons, you don't believe. Okay. You're not following my argument. Watch now. So if you are arguing that tongues is speaking in a language that is understandable, like German, when you're Afrikaans, who of you, who, who of you know, somebody that does that, I'll wait. So everybody, you know, is an unbeliever, according to Mark 16, or we should argue Mark 16 out of the Bible, which most people will try and do. Is that enough? This is, I'm working. Cause it's nonsense. It says for those that believe these things will happen and go into all the world, preach the gospels. Those that will leave will cast out demons, speak in other tongues. If other tongues is speaking in a language that is understandable, then surely there should be those who does that. Or maybe that, ar- that, that argument is not accurate. Maybe tongues is not speaking in German, but speaking in bad English. I know everybody in this front row speaks in tongues. Second row. Yes. All of them. I know. Everybody, in the, almost everybody in this room speaks in tongues. That would argue that that verse is true for everybody in this room. If the, the definition of tongues is what we define it to be. Are we, just, <laughs> <laughs> Ephesians 5, 18 says, and do not be drunk of wine and which is dissipation. Be not, do not be drunk of wine. Ephesians 5.18 says, And do not be drunk of wine, which is dissipation, but be he filled. Be ye, hear he, hear he. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and make melody in your heart to the Lord. Be, do not be drunk with wine. Why would he say, be filled with the Holy Spirit? Why would he say, do not be filled with drunk, hold on but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He does not say, do not drink a glass of wine, but be, every now and then read your Bible. He says, he uses the word drunk of wine, but be he filled with the Holy Spirit. He's not saying, he's not saying, it's not necessarily saying that the experience is like a drunker, although to some degree it is, but there's something that happens when you're drunk of wine. Inhibitions are gone. Your language, you can have the greatest professor and they thought swiftly And his inhibitions is gone. His control is gone. He surrenders to the wine. And the same he says, do to the Holy Spirit. And when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, you're not arguing with your science. You're arguing with your heart and mind and faith. Something happens. He says, do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we are almost ready to jump into Scripture. In John 7, it says, whoever believes in me. John 7, 38. We're almost ready to jump into Acts, I mean. Not in Scripture. We are in Scripture. Act, uh, John 7, 38 says, whoever believes in me, whoever, 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 whoever for the next 10 years believes in me, thereafter it will stop. Is that what it says? Because, the, because no one who reads that is going to say, okay, but he is talking about the 12 disciples and the, the few Christians in the diaspora, the, 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 the spread out. No, no, no one who reads that is going to say that. They're going to say, whoever believes in me As the scriptures have said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Out of whose heart? Out of God's heart? No. Out of whose heart? The one who believes. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. So out of me, if I believe, flows living waters. So the living waters has its origin in me. Out of me... It, it, it is ignited by God. It, it comes from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwells in us, lives in us. It is, he is in us. And the reason I'm pointing to my belly, because that's where we believe the Holy Spirit resides, he's not in your head, he's here. Out of his hearts will flow, heart will flow rivers of living water, right? What's there's another verse in Isaiah 28, jump to Isaiah 28. Uh, just verse 39, I didn't read that to you, but by this he mean, meant the Spirit. Rivers of living for water will flow, but by this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. He means the Holy Spirit that will live in us is that streams of living water in us. But the word choicing there, out of his belly, streams of living water. So out of you, streams of living water will come, right? Isaiah 28 says, for with stammering lips... And another tongue, he will speak to his people. To whom he had said, with stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. To whom he said, this is the rest with which you may cause the weary to rest. And this is the refreshing that they would not hear. With another tongue, that we would receive refreshing. Streams of living water. With other tongues, tongues, this refreshing happens. With stammering lips and another tongue, he will speak to his people. With another tongue. He will speak to His people. God speaks to us. We call it the heavenly language with which, with which we speak to God. He will speak to us. There is a verse. I, don't, I didn't copy it, but I want it so badly to read it to you. It's in Proverbs something, something. The verse, Proverbs, I found it again. Proverbs 20 says, the count, Proverbs 20 verses 5. Watch. The counsel in the heart of man is like deep water. The counsel, counsel in the heart of man is like, Deep water, the counsel in the heart of man. So just remember this verse streams of living water from my inside. The counsel of the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. How do we draw out that deep understanding? The counsel of man is the heart. Counsel of the heart, counsel in the heart of man is like deep water, but a man of understanding will draw it out. How do we draw out counsel? That is deep waters in the heart of man. How do we draw that counsel out? I want to submit to you it's tongues. This is one of the methods with which you can draw out that which is deep in you by the grace of the Holy Spirit in your life. All right, now we're ready. Let's jump in. I've read to you Mark 16 already. Go to Acts chapter number 2, 4. Acts chapter number 2, 4. I don't want to rush through these because we're running out of time. So much of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. As the Spirit gave them utterance. Now at this point, you can can go to the next verse. And they were dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation. Now these men heard them. You can find the verse where it says, they heard them speak in their language. I think it's verse 6. Okay. Verse 6. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together and they were confused because everyone heard them speak in their own language. They spoke in other tongues, but it was heard in their language. This does not mean that they spoke in that language, but it was heard in that language, but God is not that powerful to do that in real time. So I can speak in a tongue and you can hear it. Everybody in this room is hearing a message differently. There are people that I can ask, what did I say? And they will say, I heard you say this. And someone will say, I heard you say this, God can have you hear what he wants you to hear. Jesus was speaking parables to them and nobody understood what he said. And he says, it's not given them to, it is not given to them to understand. So they don't understand because they're not, they're not smart. It's not given to them to understand. So he gives them understanding. Can't he give them understanding of language? Because they spoke in another language. So they heard them speak in another language, but at the same time, uh, drop down to verse uh, the last verse there where they say they are drunk. Twelve. Twelve. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, "What could this mean?" Others mocking, "They are full of new wine." So some were saying, "What could this mean?" Others saying, "They are full of wine." Regardless, how would how would some If this is the argument, we're discussing it, right? If they heard them speak in their language, why would they ask, what does this mean? Because I'm hearing them speak, I'm Greek. They're speaking in Greek. And now I'm saying, what can this mean? So some heard them in Greek. Some didn't hear and understand what they said. And others mockers said, it's just wine. It's just wine. Having no clue. What's happening? It's not just one category of people that's standing there. There are those that heard them in their language. There are others that say, what could this mean? And there were those that stood there looking at this and going, they're just full of wine. But you would notice they are full of new wine. So it's not merely them coming out of the upper room, prim and proper, now saved, full of God, talking quietly and reasoning. Let us reason like that, that wretched guy on on, wretched on YouTube. Let us reason. They weren't reasoning. They're not reasoning, but there is a display which some would say looks like they are drunk. But no, we don't want that. We want come. I don't want Christians, I want to speak to God. I want to speak to God. <laughs> Go with me to um, Corinthians chapter number 12. We'll, there's so much. I, I, I need to finish this. What this 12.1. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, brothers, not Gentiles, not lost people. You are new. It's concerning spiritual gifts, brethren. I don't want you to be. Here's the word. Ignorant. 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 There are so many people who are ignorant about the scripture. They read three of it. And now they think they have an answer. I don't want you to be ignorant. Paul is explaining to them. Who's explaining it to the Corinthian church? An apostle. Paul is explaining it. Who do we ask to explain it to us? YouTube. Paul is explaining it. So the Bible says he put in the church first apostle. Jesus, Jesus says, I will build my church. Then he begins to build the church and then he says in ephesians i will put in the church first apostles and then right after he does it he stops all of that then you don't have apostles or prophets or anything because it stopped why does jesus tell peter i will build my church then in ephesians says i will put in the church first apostles and then he does that only 50 years after jesus to stop it so who's your apostle who's your pastor who's your prophet who is your fivefold ministry gifts that you can point to as your leader? People don't want leadership. They want to point to YouTube because that is, makes you unaccountable. It makes you completely unaccountable. <laughs> Children who grow up without parents statistically suffer. Yeah, do you agree? Because they can't point to their dad. They suffer. They, they suffer Many different emotional trauma in their lives because they can't point to their father, the structure of the house, the head of the house. I wonder in the same way if God likens his to family. If you can't point to the, the people God puts over your life, is that not possibly a reason why you're also suffering? All right, watch. I don't want you to be ignorant. Then he goes on, he, he says, you would generally carry dumb idols, go on, next one. If I make known to you that no one's speaking by the Spirit. Of course, he, he goes on. Then he begins to list the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in Corinthians. We get to chapter, uh, verse 10. Jump to verse 10. To another working miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues. To another different kinds. Is that plural? I can't read there well. To another tongues. A tongue. Not a tongue different kind, different kinds of tongues. He doesn't anywhere give you a language. Do you, again, I want to ask you, do you know any Christian who's received any natural languages as a gift from the Holy Spirit? Do you know anyone that is currently speaking any human language that he got, one day he didn't have it, the next morning he has it? And it's not that. That's why cessationists has to argue that gifts is false, and this is the language, and the gifts had stopped. Because if they don't argue that the gifts have stopped, they can't answer this question. So the only way for them to not be considered faithless is to argue that it doesn't exist. To another, different kinds, plural tongues. Because I told you there are tongues that he may that he can, tongues that is for God, tongues that for people, tongues that should be interpreted. Okay, moving on. Verse 28, read verse 28 again for me, uh, 12, 1228. 12, 28. And to God has appointed these in the church, first apostles, uh, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, after that miracles, then gifts of healing, helps administration, varieties of tongues, again, not languages. Why would he use the word tongues and not languages? Because they heard them speak in their language So the word language is in the Bible. So the word language does exist in the Bible because he used it in Acts two, when they heard them speak in their language. So he doesn't give them a variety of languages. He gives him a variety of tongues. (laughs) First Corinthians 14 verse 19. Jump to first Corinthians 14 verse 19. Paul says yet in the church, I would rather speak five words with my understanding that I may teach others also than 10,000 words in a tongue. He says, this is where people confuse this verse. I have to rush through this. He says, yet in the church, I would rather speak five words in the understanding. When I'm up here and I begin to speak in a language that is complete stupidity because no one understands me. Paul says, I would rather have the opportunity in the setting. When I speak in church, when you're in church, you're not speaking. None of you are speaking tonight. I'm speaking. So from Paul's perspective, when he is speaking, he says, I don't want to speak in a tongue. I would rather speak in the understanding so that I may impart something because the reason I'm up here is to impart something. The reason I'm talking to you is to teach you something. I can't do this in a language that you don't understand. So Paul is not saying that you shouldn't speak in a language. He's saying the setting determines what you do. Okay, jump with me to 1 Corinthians 14. We'll start at verse 1. Work our way through to verse 5. First Corinthians. Pursue love. Desire, desire, desire spiritual desire gift. So not one. I told my pastor, I don't want you to pray for one gift. I want all nine gifts. I want to be able to be used of God whenever he wants me to. Now, amen. If I'm in a room full of sick people, do you think prophecy is what's needed? No, the gifts of healing is what's needed. When I'm in a room of people that are full of potential, their lives in front of them, and they're all healthy. Do you need the gifts of healing or do you need the gifts of prophecy? If I'm in a room of people that are struggling to make plans and how to get ahead, do you need the gifts of, of, of wisdom and knowledge? Or do you need the gifts of speaking in tongues? No, you need the gifts of knowledge and the gifts of wisdom. So I want God to use whatever is necessary for whatever situation I find myself in desire, spiritual gifts. I want to be used of God. I want to see the supernatural, but especially that you may prophesy, prophesy. In Revelation says, Prophe- prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Uh, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Spirit of prophecy. is the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the gift of prophecy is to edify, exhort, and comfort. It's not predictive in nature if it's the gift. The office of the prophets is a different thing. That's not the purpose of what we're talking about. Now, b- verse three. Uh, no, verse two. Go back to verse two. For he speaks in a tongue... He who speaks in a tongue, again, does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. So, so there's not a portion of people on the planet that understands him. If he speaks that language, not talking about German, no one. I mean, the word, no one is self-explanatory. You don't need a degree in theology. No one means no one understands him. Who understands him? God. have everyone in the spirit, in the spirit. He, not God, he, the one who speaks it, speaks mysteries. It's a deep well. Wise men draw it out. He speaks mysteries unto God. When you speak in a tongue, somehow God, somehow I don't need to know the mathematics of how God does it. It's not a science. But the faith that it takes to speak in a tongue is God drawing out of me streams of living water that refreshes me and communicates and pulls deep out of me. He speaks unto God, but he who prophesies speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself, but he who prophesies edifies the church. So when I speak in a tongue, if I were to stand up here and speak in a tongue, who would be the benefactor? Me. I prophesy you. Does he say I shouldn't speak in a tongue? It doesn't mean that I shouldn't speak in a tongue because in Cornelius' house, they spoke in tongues. People hurt them. Peter didn't stop them. Paul prayed for them. They spoke in tongues. Paul, who wrote this, didn't stop them. So speaking in tongues, if you're sitting in this church service and the person next to you is praying and speaking in tongues, he's not talking to you. I don't care. It's in the Bible. Read it slowly. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. I'm Edifies is the word, word build up to restore. Uh, edifice is a building to build up this building, to build yourself up. I'm telling you right now, if you have weakness in your life, when you begin to pray in a tongue, the Spirit speaks utterances that, you can, that can't be uttered in words. The Holy Spirit is praying through you and you being built up. You don't know how, but somehow the streams of living water is coming out of you. And the faith that it takes is you building yourself up. I would much rather pray in a tongue before I pray for you so that I can be built up. And by the time I get to you, you have a built up pastor. Okay. Paul is not trying to enlarge the languages of the human race. Paul should have said only for the next 10 years because then after this it will stop. Where does Paul say it will stop? Nobody reading that will think that it's going to stop. Where does it say it will stop? But even more that you prophesy. For well, he prophesies is greater than he who speaks in tongues. Why? Because you can speak in tongues and build yourself up. And, and people have this argument. I don't disagree with him. You can probably counterfeit speaking in tongues, but if you ask the father, he's not gonna give you a serpent regardless, but even more that you would prophesy. If he prophesies greater than he who speaks with tongue, unless indeed he interprets that the church may receive edification. So if I were to stand here and speak aloud, I have the microphone speaking in a tongue. It helps you nothing. But if somebody would stand up and interpret, and you don't see this gift working as much in the church as it ought to. We've had it manifest in this church from time to time, and you would have somebody interpret what was prophesied, very seldom. But when I was growing up, that would happen in church after you would have one or two people stand up, speaking in tongue, everybody would listen to that person, which would be an indication that that was not for him to speak to God, it was for him to speak to the church. Somebody would stand up and go like, this is what God says. And what I've noticed is that the, the length of the speaking in tongues and the length of the de- interpretation is not the same. One can be longer, one can be shorter, because it's not language. It's a revelation. But now, brethren, if I come to you speaking in tongues, what shall I profit you unless I speak to you either by revelation or by knowledge, by prophesying or by teaching? Even things without life, whether flute or harp, when they make a sound, unless they make a distinction in the sound, how will it be known what is piped or played? For the trumpet makes an uncertain sound. Who will prepare for the battle? Next verse. So likewise, you, unless you utter by the tongue's words, easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. It was verse 30, this chapter 13, I think. Where's that verse perfection? Wilbur well, Is it chapter 13 that I asked you about. 1 Corinthians 13, go back. This is, I need to land this airplane, but I've got a ton more scriptures. But just go to chapter 13, speaking on love. This is one of the scriptures that cessationists use. Though I speak with tongues of men and, not men, angelically, tongues of men and of angels. But have not love, I'm becoming a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And although I have the gift of prophecy and understand this is, not, this is not another, not exhaustive, but another list of gifts, the gifts of prophecy, understanding all mysteries, all knowledge and have all faith that I remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. And although I bestow all my goods to the the poor and though I give to my body to be burned, martyrdom, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not go through that. Verse 5. Yeah. But just go back to the verse before it. Verse 9. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. Is it verse 8? Let's start at verse 8 because this is what I want to chill down with. Love never fails, but whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. People use this verse, go back to that verse, the word cease. They use that to argue that the gifts will cease. But watch what it says. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will fail. Where there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. But we know in part and we prophesy in part. But what that, when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away with. So it's not going to stop before that, which is perfect has come. Has Jesus come yet? No. So it is not done away with, we still speak in tongues. Now I am going to just quickly read it from my list here. The one who speaks in tongue edifies himself. Paul says, I wish you all speak in tongues. I speak in tongues in 1 Corinthians 418. It says, I speak in tongues more than all you. We know that Paul also exercised the gifts of working of miracles and signs and wonders. He also had people get healed because of handkerchiefs on his body. So the same Paul who speaks in tongues had the gifts of healing as well, multiple gifts. He says, I speak in tongues more than all of you. He wrote two thirds of the New Testament. I'm going to believe him. Speaking in tongues, his revelation is unparalleled. No one after him could be, and the canon of scripture is closed. There shouldn't be anyone after him, but he still puts out quite a writing 2000 years ago. If I come speak in tongues, um, if I speak in tongues, uh, if I speak in tongues, will they not say that you are mad? He's talking about a sign. The gifts of tongues is a sign to an unbeliever. Is it gifts of tongues? It's not the gift of prophecy, it's the gift of tongues, the gift of tongues is a sign to an unbeliever. They look in and they're confused about it. How can they be confused if they never hear you? Then they say, then Paul goes on to argue that if I speak in a tongue and only in a tongue, they'll say we're mad. So if I was standing up here and you were all praying in a tongue and I was praying in a tongue and somebody walks in there, they would say, ah, this is a gemorse. Which I would agree because they're not coming in here with, how would they understand what we're saying? That's not what Paul is not saying, stop speaking in a tongue. He's saying, understand what you're doing it for. Because he's correcting the order in Corinthian church. How do you think anyone would ever learn how to speak in a tongue if they never hear anyone speak in a tongue? How would the gifts of, gifts be shown and displayed? How do you know Jesus fasted? The Bible says, don't tell anyone you're fasting. Yeah, Jesus told us. I speak with tongues of men. Uh, to each one tongue, etc." Do not forbid speaking in tongues. Put just First Corinthians 14, 20, in there. I'll close with this 1439. Therefore, brethren desire earnestly to prophesy and do not forbid to speak with tongues.